Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. Yep, it is still mayoral election season here in Bloomington, Indiana. A couple of weeks ago, we had on candidate for the Democratic nomination for mayor, Susan Sandberg, the outgoing at-large city council member. We already have an invitation in to Don Griffin, the realty business gentleman who also was the deputy mayor here in Bloomington. Today, in the studio with me, candidate for mayor in that Democratic primary, Carrie Thompson. Carrie, welcome to Big Talk. Thanks, Mike. So good to be with you. Carrie has just come from uh, parts uh, around the state. Uh, She knows this state. She wasn't born here. We're going to get into that, but she came here. She loves it, I guess. I do. Bloomington is just an incredible city. Well, you'd have to love it if you're going to run for mayor of this town. Absolutely. I picked it out of the whole country to move to. Now, let me give you some of the important dates here for this election season. The last date to register if you want to vote in the primary is Monday, April 3rd. The first day of early voting is Tuesday, April 4th. The primary election day itself is Tuesday, May 2nd. And the general election, Tuesday, November 7th. You know, I was talking to your campaign manager, Jacob, uh, and I said, what are your thoughts about this being a one-party town? Carrie, what are your thoughts about this being a one-party town? Being a one-party town means that uh, we differentiate ourselves in the primary season. (laughs) Now, that's not to say that uh, there won't be a Republican or independent contender. In fact, we we hear there may be an independent contender. And the Republican Party also can caucus in a candidate should they so desire under state law. Yes, until July, we the the race is still open, but lots of things do get decided here in May and um, so this democratic nomination really is very important. Now back in November of 2022, two-term mayor John Hamilton announced that he wasn't running for a third term. John Hamilton faced quite a number of challenges here and continues to face them as he holds the office until January 1st, I believe, uh, is when the inauguration will be. Why the heck do you want to get into that morass of problems? (laughs) Well, you know, that is the question that, uh, that most people ask. Why on earth do you want to be mayor? And the answer really for me is very simple. What we're doing is not working. It's very clear. Our government is not functioning well. Um, The city's not talking to the county. The city's not talking to IU. We have a growing number of challenges, which are really, frankly, only compounded by the fact that we're not collaborating very well um, with our partners. And I'm a person who has, you know, long been an on-the-ground collaboration builder. I, I work alongside people to really create vision that we can all move towards together. And I have a history of bringing people together, um, frequently people who don't, uh, at the surface, agree with one another, to, to work towards tangible change. Bloomington's really a great city, and our city government should be great, too. Well... Let's talk a little bit about some of that history. Uh, Right now, 
you continue to be the executive director of the uh, Indiana University Center for Rural Engagement, which is, I suppose, a reason why you go gallivanting around the state a lot. (laughs) It is a reason that I go gallivanting around the state. Um, The center was started five years ago with a vision to partner with communities um, to work with Um, community leaders, whether they're ordained or elected officials or not, um, to help them achieve their visions and solve their problems by leveraging their assets. And we started with just an 11-county area, and we now are in 54 different counties. And we have engaged more than 30,000 Hoosiers in just five years with our work. Now, you've been over at the Center for Rural Engagement since uh, about May 2018. Before that, for about 20 years, you were the CEO of Habitat for Humanity. Yes, I was the CEO of Habitat for Humanity. I'm very proud to still be a volunteer with Habitat. Um, I I started volunteering with Habitat uh, when I was a freshman in high school, really. Habitat, when I, when I came to Bloomington, um, Habitat really was um, mostly volunteer run and building about a house a year. And um, by the time I left, uh, Habitat was really a very sophisticated community development organization. And we were, we were able to house a lot of families and, um, and really contribute to the tax base, but also make tangible progress on, um, on partnering with families who were seeking to end generational poverty. Now, are you saying by volunteer that you have swung a hammer? Of course I have. (laughs) I've swung a hammer. I know how to drive a backhoe. Wow. Do you think you've ever had a mayor who knows how to drive a backhoe? I I don't know how to drive a backhoe. I don't even know what a backhoe is practically, to be (laughs) frank. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I really believe that leadership is about working with people um, and then so that you really know uh, what the problems and what the assets are um, in any community that you're working with, and then equipping leaders at all levels uh, to do their job and and do it well. And um, so I was able to do that with Habitat. Lots of people may think Habitat's kind of a, a nice little nonprofit. When I took Habitat on as the CEO, it was $40,000 in debt. And by the time I left, we had a $6 million mortgage portfolio and a couple hundred thousand dollars a year of uh, donations receivable. Were you instrumental in raising money? I was indeed, yes. Um, You can't build houses uh, and build neighborhoods without money. It's incredibly capital intensive. And that also means that I know what it takes to house our community. Um, It's not theoretical for me. I'm not just pushing paper on transactions. Um, I know what it takes to take something from an idea to a neighborhood. Um, I know what it takes to um, work with a family who has never had a mortgage and do financing education and all kinds of other education um, to help them be successful homeowners. You know, even during the mortgage crash in 2009, we had a 0% foreclosure rate, and we were lending money to people who had less money than most of the people who were having their mortgages fail. Does this say something about the people themselves, or does it say more about you? I think it says a lot about the collaboration and about what kinds of successes can be built um, when you believe in people and equip them with the right tools to succeed. 
you worked for Habitat for Humanity in uh, both Virginia and Lynchburg, Virginia, as a matter of fact, and Minneapolis, beautiful Minneapolis. Uh, yeah, I've worked for Habitat in Virginia, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Minnesota. So you were all over the place. You were gallivanting around the nation. I have a, a breadth of experience looking at housing issues all over the place. Now, in 1995, you and a friend took a cross-country bike trip. Lo and behold, you wound up in a place that you probably never heard of before, Bloomington, Indiana. That's right. Actually, uh, I, I took a bike trip with um, several friends. Uh -huh. um, we started in San Francisco, and uh, we rode east uh, back to D.C. And I did have it in my mind that I had never been um, really west of the Mississippi and that I might fall in love with the Colorado Rockies and want to move there. But actually, the only place that really called to me during that whole trip was Bloomington, Indiana. And it called to me so profoundly. We stopped here just for 36 hours. And by you, the you've seen fabulous places, incredible you, you, places, the, the, the Sierras, like you say, the, the Rocky yeah. Mountains, the Sierras, that's California right. and Bloomington, Indiana. What was it? It was the sense of community, hands down. There were people having engaged conversation on sidewalks. You know, there were um, there were plenty of arts and culture events. Even in the 36 hours we were here, just a myriad of uh, different restaurants, um, some of which I had never experienced before. Tibetan restaurants. Where else wow. can you get a Tibetan yeah. restaurant, right? Yeah. And so what I've come to know since I moved here is that those were little elements that really are this sense of community. And that, um, that sense of community is furthered and cultivated by our deep care for one another and our belief that we can continue to get better as a community. Now, I assume that uh, you were making your bones with Habitat for Humanity, and they said, we've got a job for you. Is that <laughs> how it worked? Not exactly. Okay. Um, but uh, back back then, we had an electronic bulletin board. Uh, and I just kept, every Habitat affiliate is actually autonomous. And so I just kept looking for a Habitat job that came up. And when I moved here, I was making $40 a week, and they gave me a free place to stay. And what? And let me assure you, that was my dream job. <laughs> but you're not going back. <laughs> if I could manage it, I would go back. For $40 but a I, week. Yeah. I do have a family to support now. Yeah, <laughs> things are a little bit different. Carrie Thompson, again, the candidate for mayor in the Democratic primary. She's the executive director of the IU Center for Rural Engagement. By the way, if you want to learn more about some of her stances on some issues, go over to carryforbloomington.com. And she's running against both Susan Sandberg and Don Griffin in the Democratic primary to replace John Hamilton, the two-term mayor here. Carrie was born in Vienna. It, Vienna, yes, it sounds very exciting. <laughs> Vienna, Virginia, though. Small town? Um, actually, I grew up um, next to a cow field, but it's no longer has any small town feel.
Vienna is a suburb of uh, Washington, D.C. I went uh, oh, yeah. went to school at McLean High School just down the street from, uh, you know, CIA headquarters. It was an incredible place to grow up um, because it was incredibly diverse. Um, people from all over the world came to came to the D.C. area. And so I had I had friends from literally from all over the world and um I don't know if you remember Dick Gephardt, but his sure. daughter Chrissy was um, was my dear friend uh, huh. in elementary school. And on Saturdays, when Dick would go to the Capitol to do a little work in his uh, office building, every once in a while I'd go with Chrissy. And I had no idea that you know that other kids would love to run around in the little tunnels <laughs> under the uh, Capitol. If you go to uh, Kerry Thompson's website you might see something like a slogan that says, putting people first. Yeah, we, t- we talk a lot about putting people first because that's really how our community is created. That's the, our, our biggest asset, of course, in our community is the, is the humans that live here and their ideas and, uh, and their, their vision for where they, what, what they think Bloomington can be and what they treasure about what we already have. It's people. So how are you, during this campaign season, how are you getting to know these people even better than you already do? Right. Well, I'm getting to know a lot of new people, um, which is just it, it's just such a fantastic experience. You know, at Habitat, we had um, sometimes as many as 5,000 volunteers a year. Um, so I thought I knew a lot of Bloomington, but... Um, wait, wait, here? Here. 5,000 in, in Bloomington? Correct. Wow. It takes a lot of human power to build a house. I did not know that. Yes. And uh, so I thought I knew a lot of people. Now, you know, since I filed my organizing committee, we've been um, hosting listening sessions all over the city and inviting people to come just tell me what they think, what their problems are, what their dreams are for our community. So we've got a lot of data from those um, listening sessions. And of course, now I'm going door to door. So if you hear a knock on your door um, over the next few weeks, answer it because I would really love to talk to you and meet you and hear what your ideas are. Now, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because one of your big supporters is a friend of the show and a friend of mine personal, Charlotte Zitlow, who always espoused knocking on doors. Yes, and if you read Charlotte's new book, um, How We Won, uh, you'll learn that you know, somebody talked Charlotte into running for office and yeah. she decided that she ought to knock on some doors and just figure out what people were thinking about and if she could help them solve some of their problems. And that is indeed how they won with that slate that they, they ran in the 70s. Bunch of outsiders, a motley crew. A motley crew of outsiders. They're, to, to think that that crew was outsider at some point is um, is frankly heartening. Um, as a political outsider myself, somebody who's definitely an insider in the community because yeah. of all the work I've done, um, but but have not been involved in party politics in the past, it's heartening to know that um, that you can win um, just by knocking on doors and talking to people and representing their ideas well. What have you learned thus far knocking on doors as a candidate? What things have surprised you? Mm. 
Well, I'll tell you the first thing that surprises me is that somebody will open their door and talk to me for 20 minutes about their ideas. No kidding. In this day and age, you really think, well, people may not come to their doors anymore. Right. And people, people that didn't even know my name will talk to me. Some of them invite me into their home and... I, I am truly heartened to see that we still have that level of trust in our community. I am not surprised, however, because it's consistent from uh, from what I heard in listening sessions, that people um, people really do want government to change. They want government to really represent them well. Um, now, do, uh, do you mean government from the White House on down? Or do you mean this specific government? They're mostly talking to me about what's happening in the city. Yeah. And they really feel that um, projects are pushed forward that have been created really in a vacuum. And um, and even though there may be a public input session, the input is not does not change the outcome of what the plan is. Predetermined. Absolutely predetermined. And um, they... they want their ideas heard and they want to be heard about how how these um, initiatives are impacting their lives. Um, the other two things that I hear very profoundly are that um, that housing costs are skyrocketing and it is of concern to our community. Yeah, I agree. And uh, public safety really is an issue. Um, people are feeling much less safe in our community than they did five or six years ago. So these are the things that you're learning, knocking on doors. How often do you do this in a week? Uh, We go four times a week. Who else goes with you? Well, you know, in all things, I believe in the power of volunteers. So so we have uh, a volunteer uh, crew that goes out with us. Um, I will say no experience needed. And every volunteer that has come that has never knocked on doors before has said, Wow, that was really fun. I didn't think that I didn't think I would like this. I just kind of did it because I wanted to help the campaign, but I'm going to come back. Back in November 2022, you had a campaign kickoff at Switchyard Brewery. About 200 people showed up to that event. You were quoted as saying, "A public that labels itself progressive deserves to see some progress." I did say that, and um, and I stand by that comment. Um, you know, we keep talking about being a progressive city. And what does that mean? Exactly. What does that mean? We need to actually make progress on things that matter to our public. Um, now, that's not to say that um, there haven't been good programs that have come out of the administration, um, but the things that really matter and the, the tangible, visible things – they're getting worse, not better. We have more people sleeping on our streets than I have ever experienced in the past. Our housing prices are skyrocketing. And now we're at a place where literally people who, even people with means who want to move to our community, who've been hired by the university or, um, you know, one of our local businesses, they can't move here. We have um, our our 25 to 35 year old population who you know are of age. They're renting and they are of age to to begin to get curious about entering the the homeownership pool. They can't find a place. That's problematic. That means that part of our community can can no longer be part of our community. Do you think that's part and parcel of a nationwide 
college town trend, or is it specific to us? A little of each is happening. Um, we, you know, it's it's a nationwide trend that um, that housing is in a shortfall. Right. Um, we experienced, of course, the great housing crash of two thousand nine. The what I call the development ecosystem never really rebounded from that, and that's everything from actual developers to builders and contractors to their subcontractors. So we have a shortage there, but also the um, the student the the college housing market has in in the face of other financing the college student housing market is very secure. Oh. Lenders will lend for it because there's always going to be students. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It. it a puzzling problem, a real poser, one of many, as you say, that you might face should you be getting sworn in on January 1st uh, of 2024. Based on what you're saying, are you implying to me that when you take office, you're going to carry a broom and do some sweeping? <laughs> You know, we have incredible people in the city, um, working for the city and um, living in the city. And um, when I take office, I will be about leadership and partnership. And, um, And I am eager to get on the ground, running full steam ahead with solving some problems and also welcoming some opportunities. Now, being as wired in as you are in this town, you know who the movers and shakers are both in and out of government. You also, I would assume, have some opinions about who's doing a good job in this department or that department. Do you? Do you have opinions on that? You know, I don't because it's um, it's pretty hard to judge um, a staff member um, who is following the leadership of an administration. Um, You have to get in and talk to people about what their ideas are and how they like to work. Um, And I don't think it's fair to judge how somebody is doing when they are obviously implementing the agenda of an existing administration that um, many of us don't agree with. So hopefully you're going to sit down with department heads and key people and say, what do you do and how are you doing it? Of course I will. And um, and again, we have some really incredible people who are working for the city. They should be thanked um, for their public service. And, um, and you know, our, our human potential, <laughs> our, the gift of human ideas and human labor is, is the biggest asset that the city has, and it will not be taken for granted. Back in 2010, our guest, who is Carrie Thompson, one of the three contenders for the Democratic primary for the mayoral election this year, and again, I'll give you dates on that uh, before we leave here tonight. Carrie, I noticed that the other day, oh, about a week ago or so, in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, 
uh, there was an op-ed essay written by none other than you. Correct. And uh, it was entitled, One Hope for Ending the Opioid Crisis is Hope. Opioid, how did you get into that topic? Well, the Center for Rural Engagement works in um, three major focus areas. Um, We work to improve health, quality of place, and community resilience. And of course, part of health is looking at mental health, but also um, what's happening with the opioid crisis. Um, And now I more broadly describe it as the substance use crisis. Sure. Um, But uh, we have been partnered with researchers at IU who were funded by Grand Challenge, and and we funded some researchers as well, who have been working um, directly with the opioid crisis um, and um, and also working in um, various aspects of mental health. So I have done a good amount of work through the center um, on the crisis. And with the opioid settlement money um, coming, it is time for us to advocate to use that to actually address the substance use crisis that we are, um, that we're facing. Interesting thing that you pointed out in that op-ed, you refer back to the big tobacco settlement of uh, some years ago, billions of dollars given over to the states purportedly to get people to stop smoking cigarettes. What many of the states did, maybe even most of the states, was take that money and say, oh, I got to fix this budget problem. I got to fix that budget problem. You you mentioned that uh, some of the states only spent about one or two percent of those billions that they got on tobacco prevention. That's right. And so we really have a moment now to advocate that we actually use the opioid settlement money to address the problem of substance use. And, um, you know, Bloomington has um, really been um, at the forefront of this crisis in um, in a lot of senses, um, but also has been pretty forward thinking about how we work with the crisis. And I would say that um, that we really ought to invest our opioid settlement money in um, creating programs that actually work. Carrie Thompson, who now uh, currently is the executive director of the Indiana University Center for Rural Engagement, has some high hopes. She's running for mayor of this town. Boy, would those be high hopes or crazy hopes? I don't know. Uh, One of the two. She's doing it, though. Carrie Thompson has been our guest here. Let me give you some dates once again. Uh, The last date to register if you want to vote in the primary is Monday, April 3rd. The first day of early voting for the primary is Tuesday, April 4th. The primary itself is Tuesday, May 2nd. And then the general election, Tuesday, November 7th. Carrie Thompson is running against Susan Sandberg and Don Griffin for the Democratic nomination for mayor. Carrie, thanks for being on Big Talk. Thank you, Mike. So great to be with you.